SBS Audio is supported by advertising. SBS is Australia's most trusted multilingual broadcaster. Our listeners are loyal, highly engaged, and have supported countless local businesses. We offer advertising packages for businesses of all sizes. Our experienced sales team will guide you through the process of owning a great campaign. Bring your own ad or have our production team make you something in one of our 68 languages. Start the conversation with your new audience today. Email sales at sbs.com.au. You're listening to SBS on the Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, Ricardo Gonsalves with SBS on the Money for this Tuesday, the 19th of January 2021. It's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap. Later, Iron Ore and Rio Tinto and what it's doing to improve its relationship with the traditional landowners on which it mines. But first, let's talk about house prices and house sales because the Housing Industry Association says new home sales surged to a 20-year high in December. That's as buyers rush to take advantage of the government's $25,000 Home Builders Grant, which ended on December the 31st. The scheme has now been pared back to $15,000. For more on that, and on where prices are going. I spoke earlier with Tim Reardon, the Chief Economist at the HIA. What do you think the the addition of these new homes means for house prices and where do you see house prices going? Well, certainly house prices at the moment uh, are quite strong, particularly outside of metropolitan Sydney and Melbourne. And that's because what's happened is that we've seen the population shift out of particularly those two cities to most of the other locations around the country. And if we include South Australia, WA and all of Queensland as regions in Australia, then then what we're seeing is strong regional house price growth outside of Sydney and Melbourne. The other factor at play there is not just that we're seeing retirees and tree changes moving out of Sydney and Melbourne, but we also haven't seen Sydney and Melbourne draw workers out of the regions like they have for the past uh, 100 years. And so young kids leaving school aren't going to Sydney for education or for jobs. They're staying in those regions as well, which means for a lot of places around the country, there is a strong level of aggregate demand, um, a higher population now than what they had at the same time the previous year. And as a consequence, there is strong demand for detached housing. That's why we're seeing house prices for a lot of places across the country grow very rapidly at the moment. We'd expect to see that happening at least for the next six months. Perhaps then when the economy returns to something more like what it was in 2019, we may see Sydney and Melbourne draw those workers back into the metropolitan areas. That could leave a little bit of a cool house price market on the other side of that scenario. So these recent reports of the RBA saying potentially 30% price increases over the next three years, what do you reckon? Well, I certainly think 30% with over the next three years is within the realms of possibility is probably at the upper bound of what we would expect to see. But in some locations, um, that would certainly be true. I think Western Australia has been at the bottom of a, a long down cycle. House prices there are still what they were worth in 2005. 
we're seeing strong employment from the mining sector, we're seeing strong employment from residential building, that's going to draw more workers west and we're going to see a bit of a price surge or catch up there from WA. I think also uh, there's a lot of regions in Queensland, regional Victoria, regional New South Wales, that so will also see some perhaps a little bit of catch-up with what's happened over the past five years with house prices growing disproportionately in Sydney and Melbourne, but those regions a little further out will catch up over the next couple of years. Tim Reardon there from the Housing Industry Association, the Chief Economist. Uh, from housing, let's go to superannuation, and the guys over at Chant West say that the median growth fund rose 3.7% in 2020, and that's a fantastic result given the 36% crash we saw in March on the share market due to the pandemic. The seven-year average for the median growth fund is an increase of 7.4%. For more, I spoke briefly with Pivot Wealth Financial Advisor, Ben Nash. Look, I think it's phenomenal considering where we were in uh, in March and April. We saw enormous declines of uh, of funds with the COVID virus uh, causing us basically a seizing up of, of of share markets around the world. Uh, and I think, yeah, the, the the I don't think anyone expected the bounce back to happen as quickly or as strongly as as it did. Uh, biggest driver of that being the huge amounts of government stimulus uh, coming through, unprecedented amounts. You know, we saw uh, in the 2008 financial crisis, the government spending in the order of sort of $50 billion. Uh, they've, uh, you know, almost sort of 10x that uh, and, and don't, don't really show any signs of slowing down if, it, if they feel that they need to keep going. Uh, in Australia, the, the, in the US, it's been trillions of dollars, literally trillions of dollars, and they're still going with their stimulus, which uh, has really yeah, driven that rise. And uh, yeah, I think if we would have asked most investors back in April, they would uh, be happy with not going backwards for the year for sure. Ben Nash there from Pivot Wealth, a financial advisor. The Australian share market now had a great day today. The S&P ASX 200 up 1.2% to 6,742. Waste management group Bingo surged around 20% on a takeover approach. The payments operator Tyro added 25% coming off a trading halt after being smashed lately. And Rio Tinto added 0.7% as it signalled it is likely to boost iron ore exports following its Q4 production numbers today. For more on the day's market action, I spoke earlier with Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Scott, the market's had a great day. Why? Ricardo, it seems to be all stops are out. When you think about the way the economy is trending, the US violence has toned down, of course, the Australian economy looking better. And importantly, COVID cases remain on the way. And there is some sense, some hope that maybe this is the end, at least of this wave, and we can get back to business as usual. Rio Tinto's production numbers came out today. The company is also benefiting from a surging iron ore price. What's your take on the company? Wow, aren't they? What? The production numbers were pretty good. The price remains astronomically high. Rio is making software margins at the moment, literally 80 to 90% margins, which in a commodity industry is almost unheard of. I have to say, great company doing great things. Gee, I'll tell you what, if you're betting the price stays this high, I fear that might be a losing bet, unfortunately. Uh, there's a pretty big takeover in the wings. Yeah, bingo, $2 billion, more than $2 billion being bid for the waste management company. Of course, waste management businesses are a favourite of investors, particularly private equity in the US in the past, and bingo seemingly in the sights at the moment. Some sense the business can be run more profitably, more effectively in private hands, and I assume at some point relisted for a whole lot more. And just finally, um, retail stocks, how are they performing given we've seen a bit of activity over the past few days? 
phenomenal numbers out yesterday from JB Hi-Fi and Super Retail Group, of course. The retail stock's doing very, very well. They're both up as we speak. Harvey Norman also having a very, very nice day. There is some sense this is across the economy now. Too many retailers in the discretionary space doing particularly well for the market to ignore it, and that's really good news for those shareholders. Scott Phillips there from The Motley Fool. And for more on what Scott was talking about there, those Rio Tinto production numbers and the challenges for its new CEO, I spoke earlier in detail with Fat Profits Resources Analyst David Lennox. David, just how important is iron ore for Rio Tinto and how has it contributed to its bottom line? Oh, look, certainly if you have a look at the results that have just come out for uh, 2020, their production results, they, they did a very good, uh, they performed very well in terms of uh, iron ore, up, up a couple of percent on last year. So when, you, when you're increasing production and you're delivering into record prices, then that really is going to generate significant amounts of cash. They report in February their full year results, and we do believe that they're going to show significant cash returns, and with that we believe our significant profits. I guess it also benefited from the skyrocketing iron ore price. Where do you see that price going? Look, uh, we do believe that uh, we may see somewhat of a pullback in the iron ore price over the course of the next uh, two or three months. A price can't continue to, to go on higher forever. There has to be some, some address, addressing of the pressure that's building up, and we do think that's coming. However, we're not looking for a significant pullback. We do think that the metrics that are in play across the course of 2021 are, again, those infrastructure programs. And you only have to look at what uh, Biden is perhaps going to introduce as soon as he uh, takes over the White House. Uh, that's, that's being emulated across governments around the world. And that's feeding into the, we believe, forecast high demand for commodities. And with that, certainly iron ore is in there. China's relationship with Australia, you know, there's these increasing tensions. Has it impacted Rio Tinto at all? And will it become an issue? Look, will it become an issue? It's difficult to say. One would suggest that uh, China does need Rio Tinto and BHP and Vale as their three big significant suppliers of iron ore. You really, if you cut one of those or two of those, particularly here in Australia in Rio and BHP, China would have significant difficulty trying to replace that amount of iron ore with any other country. And that would do one thing. It would send, obviously, Rio and BHP downward. But it would send, us, it would send the, uh, the iron ore price skyrocketing. How is Rio Tinto trying to repair its relationship with the traditional owners of the land in which it operates? And is it doing enough? It, we believe it's going to take some time for Rio to get back into a position where it, the, the traditional landowners are very comfortable with how, how Rio Tinto goes about its mining and exploration across their lands. Unfortunately, what they've destroyed took hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years to build up, and, and it will probably take not that length of time for the, the relationship to normalise, but it will take Rio a significant amount of, of effort and a we believe a significant amount of time before they really are back in w with some form of normalcy with, the, with their uh, traditional landowners. So this focus on cultural heritage, how do you think it will impact the company and its bottom line? Oh look, there will no doubt be extra costs, but you know, what's an extra cost when you look at the thousands of years that some of these cultural, uh, in, some of these cultural uh, places have got behind them? Um, you know, Miners have worked with 
indigenous landholders for many years and in a reasonably good way. So we believe that that will continue, but certainly you, you can't put a price on some of these things and mining companies and those associated will just have to put up with if the landowners don't want it to be, then that's the way it has to be. Final question, uh, Jacob Stolzheim is a, a relatively new CEO for Rio. What do you see as his key challenge in the new year? Well, look, I, I guess for him, he's been lucky. He's, he's coming coming on board, well, he was already on board, but he's taking up the top position, A, when Rio's delivering pretty solid iron ore numbers and they're getting record prices for that. So really, he won't have to do much more than ensure that there's a sustainability in the cash flow, that costs don't get out of control, and most of that's already been pretty much built into the programs that they've had in play. So, look, he, he may have to look at some of their other uh, operations that have uh, not performed so well. You know, they've moved out of coal. You know, copper's been a bit of a problem child. You, uh, aluminium's been a little bit of a problem child, although in the, in, this year it's done reasonably well in terms of alumina and bauxite. So yeah, perhaps he's got to just have a look at some of those more minor uh, um, operations and just see if they still fit within Rio's uh, makeup. David Lennox there from Fat Profits. That is SBS on the Money for this Tuesday, the 19th of January 2021. I'm Ricardo Gonzalez. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Business Ricardo. This SBS on the Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. Why do people want to be at work? To feel heard, appreciated, part of something, and to know there's a career path for everyone. Inclusive workplaces are linked to increased innovation, productivity, and employee satisfaction. Make your organisation a place where people want to be. For inclusion and diversity training, visit inclusion-program.com.au.